Hey everybody, welcome to the Hyrith and Other Words podcast. This is your host, Timothy Mangle, and uh, this week we're doing things a little bit differently than we normally do. Uh, normal being, we've only had like two episodes, three episodes, this is episode number four. Anywho, I am, uh, I'm going to be doing a solo episode this week, and... I, I don't want to do this too often. I was thinking maybe like once a week out of a, or one time out of a month. I guess we just got to see how well this goes and uh, what the response is to it. But speaking of, um, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who's listened, who's watched, who's subscribed, who's given a like and a follow and, and all those fun internet terms. Because, uh, yeah, I'm doing this for you. And for myself, because I enjoy doing this kind of stuff, but it means the world to me to have people who engage with this sort of stuff. And yeah, so I just want to say thank you. Uh, yeah, so today's topic um, is is a Bible verse from the Bible. I figured that would be a good place to find a biblical verse. But uh, the verse comes from Colossians 2.9. Which is, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, they're talking about Jesus here. And it's, it's a crazy statement. I'm going to read it again. For in him, Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, we're going to be breaking this down and we're going to be looking at other Bible verses and whatnot, but the first thing I want to point out here is about Jesus. Is let's, So let's kind of talk about that entity for a little bit. Jesus represents this weird thing narratively. He, he's a figure of both man and the average man, the average woman, the average person. Um, but he also represents God. So there's this twofold nature to Jesus, which if you're a good Christian, you know the, the proper theological term. But I just know it as the dual nature of Christ, which is that he's fully man and he's fully God. And the first thing that I want to say about that is that when you hear this, I don't want you to think that Jesus is um, is an exception or he's a phenomenon that doesn't happen outside of him. Um, I believe this idea of the fullness of the Godhead dwelling bodily is something that happens to uh, it can happen to anybody. It doesn't, yeah, there's no prerequisite. I mean, there are but there's, it's not a belief system prerequisite. It's, it's an embodied thing. It's a, it's a wisdom thing. So when we talk about Jesus, we need to re remember just that, that dual nature. And in this aspect, they're talking very much about his human aspect, about the fact that, you know, on this side of... Well, I don't even want to say that because it's on this side of, you know, eternity that he embodies this, right? So he's talking about, he's talking about Jesus when he was uh, alive and, and post-death and resurrection. 
for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, what's the Godhead? Uh, and the reason I, I chose this translation, this is actually is the King James translation of this, is because normally it says uh, the fullness of God dwelling bodily or something along those lines. I, I wanted to use the translation that had the word Godhead in it because Godhead transcends Christianity. It's, it's a Jewish term. It's actually a Hindu term as well. If you look in the Bhagavad Gita, you'll see this idea of the Godhead. And what I've kind of discovered in a lot of my studying and what I've noticed is that a lot of these religions, when they're trying to really summate the peak pinnacle deity or you know the absolute or God, they really get to this conundrum because you know God isn't just one; he's a, it's a multifaceted thing. It's not just this; it's not just this one energy. And that was a hang-up that I used to have when I would read this biblical verse because. You know, I would read it, for in him dwells all the fullness of God bodily. And so when you, for, you'll hear me say this a thousand times because I believe it's absolutely true. In the West, we have a hard time with the term God. People don't like to use it. People are turned off by it and, and probably rightfully so. But one thing that comes along with that is the idea that when people think about God, they're thinking about this singular entity that's off somewhere and it's controlling creation and we kind of have to have relationship with that thing we have to interact with it and we have to figure out you know how to and and all those things so i remember when i would first read this verse it was it was so paradoxical maybe or just a conundrum because it didn't make sense because I, I was coming from the perspective of you know there's this entity out there and you know, how does this singular entity dwell within a man and then continue to exist outside of it and then do everything that's supposed to do? You know, I just, that that doesn't make sense. You know, when you think about God, again, as this singular entity or thing that then manifests itself in something and then does it still work outside of it or, or whatever, you know, and I'm not trying to put down the language or the interpretation set forth here by the in the biblical text. It's more of people use words to describe their reality. And they use images, they use symbols, and all of those arise out of their empirical interpretation of reality, right? So you have people who are looking out into the world and they're trying to understand what what's going on what's happening to them and so then they they have interactions they have experiences they you know they they start services they they embody practices and then they they give them names and they 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 quantify these things and it's always within their worldview that, that's what i'm trying to say that that when people put forth religions or religious practices they are so built around the the understanding of that culture so part of that is you know you look at hinduism and they have gods who are elephants and monkeys and that's there's nothing wrong with that the 
just in the West, we don't understand that because we're not around elephants and monkeys outside of zoos. So we don't necessarily see the correlation between those things and divinity, unfortunately. So all that to say, when people project out their inner world, which is where God lives and God dwells and, and God arises from, they project it out and they they project it out through their culture, through their language, through their their cosmology, how they see the world, how they think it works, you know. So it wasn't, you know, th if you believed that the world was flat and that there was a dome over top of it that you could, you know, the stars were, you could see through to the other side, it's not, it's not crazy to believe that that's where God would live, right? So there's, that's, that's kind of an old Jewish understanding of the earth. And it's not wrong per se, because it, it was the worldview in which they just had, you know, they didn't have science. They didn't have these current cosmological ways of understanding reality. They just had empirical, they looked outside and, and if you're standing in a field and you look at the sky, it looks like there's a dome, you know, it, we can't see the infiniteness of space. So, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to, to drive home this point that people, yeah, people interpret God and, and spirituality and, and everything through, their worldview and so that's the problem with you know that's where we find ourselves with the this verse currently is we're trying to interpret this we're trying to you know make this this verse make sense for us and it and there's that dissonance because when we say god we think of this singular thing right so there's this one biblical verse besides this there's actually many biblical verses uh, besides this that I wanted to bring in because I think it, it points to something that helps us to get a better understanding of what this God idea is. Okay. So it's in Ephesians 4, 6. It says, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in all. And the King James version actually ends up by saying in you all. Uh, I don't know why the King, King James and New King James has that. And, I mean, I'll, I'll go into that in a little bit. But, yeah. So, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in all. Or in you all. So, what's... Okay, so what's this trying to, to say? And this is actually a beautiful uh, sentiment here. Because Paul... The, the author of this, uh, I can get into who he is another time, but the man who wrote this, his name is Paul. What he's trying to say is that, listen, okay, so there's one God and Father of all. Let's just start with that, okay? So what that means is that prior to creation, there's a singular entity that births force creation. And in doing so, he describes, he, he participates in this process that Paul um, is, in, that Paul is referencing here right now. So it's the idea of who is above all, through all, and in all. So now I want you to kind of get this image in your head that pre-creation there was this infiniteness and this infiniteness began to pour itself out and to be to 
as you know okay so we have the big bang and so as the big bang emerges you have that singular entity who you know sent forth that initial blast is now integrating himself and going through all those things so it is remaining in its place above those things but as it's as creation is pouring out it is pouring itself into creation and coming along with everything and because again it's it's above all through all and in all so think about that so and I, I think that that that's a beautiful way to interpret god or the godhead is that it's the reality that precedes everything and is the reality that penetrates everything and that and that everything is being pulled back to so i think that that's that's a healthier understanding of god in the context of the initial bible verse right so for in him dwells all the fullness of the godhead bodily okay so now we're starting to to get to the meat of this right you have this pre-existing energy that is pouring itself out and making creation and as it's doing so it's lacing all of creation with itself and and all of creation is a manifestation of the singular entity so how does one have this dwell bodily and and what does that mean to us and is it you know is it beneficiate is it something that's beneficial to us now i believe so and yeah just before we jump on any further i, I want to point out this idea that it's that paul says it's in you all that that is the king james translation of it you know and that's that doesn't make it better or worse but that was for the longest time the only official translation of the bible so you know again for better or for worse whether that was actually good or bad it it just was you know so why was this the interpretation that they believed was the, the one to put forward so in you all so this there's this idea of community right it's it's a collective thing it's not just a you know god belongs over there he's over there it's it's that it's it's everyone contains that initial divine spark and the same verse is, is pointing out that it's not just all humans that have this divinity within them. It's it's trees, it's water, it's the planets, it's the stars, it's everything. Everything is laced with this, this underlying divinity from the initial goodness and creation of the universe. So the reason I bring that up is because it's so important to how we interact with people right so what if we believed that all things and all people had a divine aspect to them right how would we how would we learn to to interact with them and that's something that's really beautiful about the idea and or the ideals of america is that somewhere within us we know that some and i think you know as a species across the planet we're evolving to this place of understanding that everyone is sacred everyone has a right everyone has you know because you think about this okay so think about you know there's a bible verse that says all um every, god, that man and woman were created in the image of god meaning all all pe all people have that initial divine image Now, that's not something you 
would normally think, right? Like that's a that's a place of grace and a place of acceptance and love and and expansion because when you look at people, you don't automatically see the the glory of God on them. You don't see the image of God on them. You kind of see their faults, you see their flaws, you see, you know, do they have this haircut? Do they how much do they weigh? All that stuff, right? You're kind of judging those things out. But for some reason, the people who made these texts, they went off the assumption that all people bore the divine image, right? Now, obviously, there's something to be said about how they've embodied that practice or embodied that belief, but it's still put forth. And it's, it's a, again, it's not something that you would just look out and, and logic your way there, right? You kind of have to see with not just your real eyes, but with your eyes of your heart and have compassion and to understand that you know, all because people look differently than us, they, they practice things differently than us, they speak different than us, that doesn't mean that they don't bear the divine image. It just looks different. And that's totally fine because the same thing that is making that person is the same thing that made trees and, and the you know, how many different trees are there and, and they all bear that same image and the, and that that through line divinity that we were talking about, the you know, the idea that there is this you know I know I said earlier that we we think about it as just this singular thing, but it is, it is a singular thing. But it's a it's a singular thing that's all encompassing, as opposed to a singular thing within all things, right? So does that make sense? That God isn't just this one thing in the scope of the whole cosmos. He is the whole cosmos, and everything that exists is a part of that initial God energy or the Godhead. Okay, so now let's let's kind of bring this back back home and, and make it a little bit more practical. <sighs> so we have Jesus in this circumstances where the, the fullness of the Godhead is dwelling within him. And I guess the question that I come up when I think about that is, well, how did he do that? Because I think some people interpret it as just that was Jesus and that was Jesus' birthright and that was who he was and, and et cetera, et cetera etc etc however he's i'm screwing up that but it i i have to believe that jesus represents the everyman and the possibilities for us right because there's this other biblical verse where jesus says you know the things that i do you will also do and you will do greater things so there's this idea you know if that's to be true if we're to, to take that as a factual statement then that means that we would be able to get to the level that he's at and not have him have some shortcut to getting there right because that doesn't help us if he just was born with these innate powers or abilities or perspectives that he like any of us had to learn and he had to apply these things and he had to grow and he had to yeah he had the yeah he had to get to this place I don't believe it was a place that he was born into, but that it was something that he, at a, at a certain point in his life, came to completion. So again, the question comes back to, well, how did he do this? And, you know, there's no biblical verses where he says, you know, this is, this is how I, you know, reached enlightenment or how I was, you know, so the the idea is that Jesus wasn't, you know, he wasn't. Again, going back to this image of 
of a god as this entity that exists outside of time coming in and and dwelling in this one person and then the confusion of that so if i was to interpret this verse i would say that jesus was connected to everything that the through line god energy that per, per, that is in all things he was aware of it within himself and aware of it within everything else and lived from that perspective i feel like that's a that's a good interpretation of what that is because it seems more practical and more like it's it's actually happening in the world that we live in right instead of this entity or a deity coming down from the heavens and just dwelling fully in this and then again going back to that confusion of well you know where is it outside of this body then if it's in there fully so it's the idea of that there's this you know even this paradoxical thinking of you know your body doesn't end where you think it does but that it is connected with everything and and i think I think we have this awareness that we know that we're connected with everything. And I think that there's times that we get deep insight into that and that we can see that to be true, but then there's other times that we forget it. And that's probably where we live most of our lives. So back to the question, how did Jesus do this? So when Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? He gives two commandments, right? So he doesn't just give one and say, that's it. But he says that there's two. And so, what he says is the the first commandment is you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind and then he says that the second is like the first one you shall love thy neighbor as thyself okay so again jesus is saying that those two commandments are like each other so what is the connection between loving the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind and loving your neighbor as yourself right and the the simplest answer and the most accurate answer is just this idea of love right so it's this continually outward flowing yes and acceptance and spaciousness and graciousness and love right like that's what it is and that's how you you remain connected to other people. That's how you remain connected back to God, right? So he's he's calling you know us this idea of you know how do we maintain our connection? How do we fully embody God? How do we allow that energy to permeate us and and to push us forward? And yeah, it's it's this idea of love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind. And with all your soul and so again there you you run into this issue of god then becoming the singular thing that you must put your love on right instead of you know this god being this through line through everything so you have you know god as the you know again um there's one god and father who is above all through all and in all so Again, we have this idea of whatever God is, it's this it's the thread that's holding everything together, right? And then to participate in that thread or to be able to integrate that thread into your life is to live from a place of love. And I really don't think that this should be a shocking answer to how Jesus embodied this, right? Because I feel like 
we all know that when we're in this place of love, then we feel like we're our true selves, who we're supposed to be. And, and everyone knows that, right? So even the idea of depression is because you don't, you, your body knows that it's not in that flow. And your body knows that it, there's needs to be changes made. You know, obviously, whether that's taking medication or going to therapy or setting up boundaries or whatever it is, that depression and anxiety, these are signals for where you're not in love. And because your body's trying to get you back to that place. Because think about it, when you hold hate or when you're living, you know, with anger or, or all these things that they do, it feels heavy on us. And, and there's a reason that we use these terms the way that we do. And we say that, you know, I feel heavy, I feel such and such, and there's a weight on my shoulders. These are all actual words that we use to describe the phenomenon that we're feeling. But when we think about love, we think about, you know, light and and just being soft and being you know the opposite of heavy and yeah so i guess the challenge is is if you want to remain connected to everything then the proper response to everything is to love it is to say yes to it and you don't have to say yes to the necessarily more grosser and and non-beneficial or non-loving aspects of that person but you have to say yes to the the thing as a whole and you have to have the space within you to be able to accept these people in just whoever it is or whatever it is you know it's it doesn't again this through line it it penetrates all things and so there isn't you know when you're again i keep i go keep going back to trees and but when you're interacting with a tree you should be treating it divine when you're interacting with an animal everyone knows that you should be treating those more sacredly than we do and it's the idea of honoring that through line it's it's the idea of honoring the divinity within that singular thing and then being able to do it in one thing you should theoretically be able to do it in all things there's this um book called i and thou by um michael boober i think I know the last name's Boober because how do you not, how do you remember? It's B-U-B-E-R. So just look up I and Thou by Boober. Um, but he, the, the thesis put forward is that there's essentially two ways for you to live life, right? You can either live in the I-it or I-thou. So you can either interpret everything that you're seeing and encountering as just an it, and that includes people, because we do treat people like they're just it's. You know, sometimes we're we're very mean and we're we're very cold and dismissive. And that's when you're treating other people like it's. And we know that. We know and we can feel that we've treated people less than they're worth. But the I thou is the idea of seeing everyone from their inherent sacredness, right? So it's this is it's about relationship. It's about how do you how do you approach this thing? Do you approach it with love or do you approach it as just seeing it as, as something, just something that exists? And I think, obviously, we don't, like, again, I'm, I keep going back to this, is this is, it's, it's understandable. And when we can see it and when we can feel it, you know, it's, it's a common knowledge, right? That's what kind of what that idea is. Yeah. 
So I guess, you know, what I would hope that you walk away from this is, you know, twofold. Is the idea that you can embody a connection with everything. And to also understand that to do so, you must love. You can't have your connection to everything without loving everything. And also just as a little caveat or something to add here at the end, remember that this says that the fullness of the deity dwells bodily, right? Of the Godhead, it dwells in this. And I think a lot of people, you know, they, they hate their bodies or they're, they want to transcend it one day and, and just leave it behind. But I think you're doing yourself a great disservice by having that mentality. I, I know the shortcomings of being embodied because I've been doing it for 30 years. And I, I know the aches and I know the pains and, you know, obviously not all of them, but I know... The, the trauma of being stuck in here and knowing that this is going to end and other bodies will end. And so we kind of have this limited negative view of uh, the body, but it's not bad. It's, it shares that it's the house that that through line dwells in, right? So God being a part of everything and through everything that, that includes your body. It's not just your soul, your soul, your you know, they actually say that your body is the fullest extension of your soul. And so, therefore, it's like, it's the pegs that hold the soul up, right? You know, so if it was a tent, you know, you need the pegs to to hold the soul. and, and Or maybe it's backwards. Maybe the, the soul is the pegs and the tent is held up from it. I'm just kind of just spitballing here. But the idea is is that the body is sacred. And your body is sacred. And you should treat it as such. And as you as you should treat anybody because that's it's it's not even because god dwells in it and that's a beautiful thing but just because it's the right thing to do it's right to treat your body with respect it's right to treat other bodies with respect and that's the idea of love right so again it's there's this call back to just love just dwell in love say yes to people love them with your mind you know, in, in this idea of love your neighbor as yourself, you want people to treat you kindly. You get upset when people don't. You want people to be honest with you. You want people to be loving towards you. Yeah. And so again, the the application that I want you to walk away from is how do you love? How do you how do you embody the Godhead? Love, right? So you you have to make that the way... I mean, you don't have to, right? So if you want to choose to believe in these things and, and to participate in them, if, and you know, if your goal is to learn to be connected with everything, to, to have the Godhead dwell in you fully, if those are things that seem appealing to you, then the means by which that is accomplished is love. And I, I don't really feel like I have anything else to add to that other than you are completely capable of doing that. And everyone's been hurt. Everyone has trauma that they have to overcome, and obviously some more than others. But, and, you know, you don't need to beat yourself up when you can't love completely all the time. You know, you're allowed to make mistakes. You're allowed to 
have trial and errors. The the important thing is that you're you're aiming in that direction of I just want to be more loving. I just want people to feel more accepted when they're around me. I want people to not feel alone when they're around me. Whatever it is. Yeah, really I just pray that you would that we all would learn to be that. That we would learn to be a place of yes and a place of love and a place of acceptance and a place of Yeah welcoming a place of grace you get the idea all right guys uh i think i'm gonna wrap it up for now let me know what you thought about this this is a first time experiment so we'll see if it was a good one or a bad one and uh maybe we'll do some more in the future but yeah like i said at the top i really appreciate uh people listening to this watching this whatever it is um yeah it just means the world to me, and I'm I'm very grateful that I, on a Saturday that this is what I get to do and give it to the world. Uh, yeah, you're all great. Goodbye. <laughs>